Johnny are having a baby with you. I'm Johnny Donahoe, actor, comedian, writer, musician, dancer, and lover. And this is um, my friend in love and oh. life, Josie Long. Say hello, Josie. Hello, I'm Josie Long. I'm also a comedian and a writer. I'll do anything if the price is right. That's not true. That's not true at all. <laughs> uh, welcome to our show. It's a show about the fact that we are partners in crime. And a uh, baby. Yes. <laughs> uh, we are expecting a baby together yes. a little bit sooner than we thought we were going to be. And we're a bit clueless. We're definitely on the back foot and we're desperate for advice. So we're keen to learn. We are. So we have a good attitude. That's right. <laughs> it, what we don't know, we're trying to fill the gaps of. Yes. Yeah. We're speaking to parents who uh, also happen to be people that you will know and love the work of. And we've been asking them for advice and it's been incredibly helpful. Josie and Johnny are having a baby. This episode, uh, we speak to Philippa Perry, who is amazing. Philippa is a psychiatrist. Psychotherapist. <sighs> I find that very, um, there's a lot of very similar words. It's all long words. Yeah. It's all the brain. There are certain things I find difficult. Psychotherapist, <laughs> psychoanalyst, psychiatrist, psychologist, um, s- psychic. <laughs> <laughs> so, Philip is a psychotherapist. She's also an author and a writer. And um, she ha- she is a busy working mother of one. And her daughter's in her 20s. So, she actually has... Uh, two decades parenting experience plus. She's navigated the hardest part. Yes. She's also genuinely somebody whose work has focused on parenting mm. and child psychology. And she's releasing a book all about it. So we couldn't have asked for a better guest um, in terms of just understanding and expertise and research. But on top of that... She's really cool. Yeah. She's, she's a kind of dream parent. Yeah. Um, one of the things that she said that I think we've both really thought about since is she talks about an occasion with her daughter when she was um, a toddler where her daughter just w- didn't want to walk home from the shops. Oh. And she just wanted to look at the ants. And so she was like, fine, we'll just look at the ants. And somebody walked past and went, oh, she's winning, is she? <laughs> and she was like, no. No, this isn't a battle of wills. We're, this just, is a, we're just having a moment. Yeah, and she has different understanding of the world to me yeah. and different needs. And I, I think that's the thing that sort of stuck with me because I'm sort of, yeah, trying to cope with the fact that you're not, this is going to sound silly, but you're not giving birth to an adult. No. You're giving birth to someone. Thank who, God. <laughs> <laughs> but you're giving birth to someone who over the next 20 years is going to be viewing the world and developing. Longer. It, oh, yeah, 24 years, I suppose. That's what they say really is. How long until you're fully fledged? And after we spoke to her, one of her um, kids' friends came up to her in the street. She said she was like, "This you'll you'll realise this in a while." But one of the other great things about being a parent is, twenty years on, you get to be friends with loads of cool young people who are their friends. Isn't that brilliant. Yeah, lovely. And I feel like 
if when your kids are in their 20s and 30s, mm. they still like you enough that they want you to know their friends, you've done a brilliant job. I know lots of people who would, who would sooner have moved to... Um, a downstairs cupboard. Yeah, than stay with their family. Like I do think, like it is scary to think about the fact that we were we met and we we got pregnant like earlier than we'd wanted to. So we only really got to have like a year together. Mm. And so, like, what I'm scared is that, like, but what a year! It was a great year. (laughs) Hold on to that. Yeah, yeah. I I kid you not. Um, When I um, had a baby, sometimes it it does feel like. There are days when things are quite hard, expectations are not reached uh, and there's a lot of mess and you've got to do a lot of stuff and you want a lot of help and your partner feels exactly the same thing, but they want a lot of help too and you're not helping and I want a lot of help and you're not helping. And um, of course, you don't want to take this frustration out on the baby. So you may take it out on each other. And if you expect to do that... Just watch yourself doing it rather than getting quite embroiled in it. And remember the good times because me and my partner had five years together before we had a baby and they were a great five years. And I just thought, yay, I know I can have a good time with this person. I'm not having a good time with this person right now, but I know I can and I will again. (laughs) And we did. And it happened sooner than I could possibly hope for. So that's quite exciting. It is quite exciting. And don't expect to feel in love with each other the whole time. That's raising expectations too high. Sometimes you two will find each other very, very annoying. Mm. What you're really What you're really finding annoying <laughs> is the fact that your life is severely compromised sure. by your twenty four seven new responsibility. Yeah. You know, when you're yelling at each other, suddenly stop and go, We had a year, didn't we, Johnny? <laughs> just say that and it will just relieve the well, we tension a if, bit. If we should book uh, a little holiday, you know, for when she's say nine months or one, or there's a, like the, the possibility of going away for a night or two, and, and have that as something to look forward to the whole time. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we want to get away from our kid when really we don't want to get away from our kid. We want to get away from the feelings our kid brings up in us. Now, Your kid will bring up feelings in you that you went through when you were one month old, two month old, three month old, four month old, whatever it is. You will have a lot of feelings that you have not had before that you don't recognize and they might even frighten you because whatever age your kid is at, they will bring up feelings that you had when you were a similar age. It's some sort of somatic memory. And it can blow your mind unless you know what's going on. And this doesn't only affect mothers, it affects fathers as well. Whatever age your kid is will bring up similar feelings that you had when you were that age. Wow, but also, like, I feel like I've never, ever heard anyone talk about that in that way. Well, probably because there's, for that. there's no scientific proof of it. I'm going by... Um, you know, 
20 years experience as a psychotherapist. Oh, so there'll definitely be like people who've, who are psychotherapists who've written about it. That to me is well, scientific. Well, only one and it's not published yet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's something to hold on to. Now, quite often, the feelings that kids bring up in us um, are feelings of kind of desperate vulnerability sort of not knowing what mm. you're doing because it did, a kid doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, we don't know what we're doing either, but a kid certainly <laughs> doesn't know what we're doing. I mean, you've read blogs about babies, you've witnessed babies, you've seen babies, you've been a baby yourself, but it's all bloody new to the baby. The baby's <laughs> never been a baby before. You know, you have at least have had that experience, even if you haven't witnessed other parents. And, and So, you know, you've got a better idea of being a parent than a baby has about being a baby, really. That's so funny. The baby, you're like, you don't know even how to be a baby. No, they're just not knowing. I mean, they've got certain instincts that are pretty good that we can really trust more than we do. Yeah. They can take you back to when you felt like that. And this is, I think, what we want to run away from more than having to change a nappy four times yeah. a day. Wow, so, so then... I already want to run away from it. That's, Tell me a bit more thought. about that. <laughs> Tell me a bit well, more just, about wanting to run away. So my biggest fear of having children, and the, one of the reasons I was anxious about it until um, a couple of years ago, when I decided I wanted to have children, and that kind of switched on, was uh, I, I had a very difficult and traumatic childhood. I, I had very bad relationships in many ways. Certainly, I had a terrible relationship with my and then no relationship with my father. A very difficult relationship at times with my mother. Um, the thing that scares me is going back through certain aspects. So the things that I remember hating is school mm. um, and the idea of having go to go back to school. My sister, who's a primary school teacher and has a primary school she's daughter. She's living that nightmare. She, she's like, but school's great. Like, school <laughs> isn't like when we were there and they were horrible to you. It's yeah. a lovely place full of laughter and, and fun. Um, and I think she has gotten over it by jumping into it and finding it to be nothing like our childhood mm. whereas I um, have been more reticent and became a stand-up comedian and laughed about it we will be back in just a second after this short break I think it's a really good idea to be aware of your childhood and aware of the issues that they bring up because so often, rather than go, oh God, this belongs to the past, not the future, we tend to think that what's triggering whatever feeling we have is the, is the kid in front of us. For mm. instance, if our parents sort of berated us for being clumsy or for not getting stuff or for not being quick enough, when we see our kid fumbling with their sh shoelaces and taking all day, we might just feel this wave of irritation. <laughs> and our job then is almost to play some scary music in our heads going, because where does that irritation belong to? If we don't reflect about it and we just react to it we can go oh hurry up and repeat the mistakes of the ancestors and yeah. pass the link on but if we go oh yeah my parents were really impatient with me when I was being slow but actually I was just learning how to do stuff so 
what you, do you just do? breathe. What do you do if, like, say something like that happens and in the moment you don't realise it and then, you know, that night we have a chat about it and we're like, oh, God, you know, I've re- remembered that my mum did this and I think that's how I've been. Brilliant. Like, have you then, but then, like, you've already, like, shout, is it okay, baby? You will, and I did. You will make that mistake. You will go, oh, will you hurry up without thinking about it? And then you'll have a little feeling, oh, I didn't quite like that. You know, you go over the day and you think, and then what you can do is something I call rupture and repair. (laughs) Okay? It's alliterative. That's why you need like a little like ding, ding. (laughs) Rupture and repair. And what this means is you will make mistakes and you can go, oh, you know, when I shouted in the car yesterday... I was really hungry and I was taking it out on you and I shouldn't have done that and I'm sorry. It will stop them going mad thinking everything's their fault. Is this a very new um, uh, idea? Well, put it this way, I haven't published the book yet, but it is in its first draft. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, is my sister does it all the time. What, saying my bad? Yeah, she's... Great. uh, My sister and I are very, very, very close. We're we're quite different in some ways. She, uh, I hold everything in. Uh, and uh, which is not a problem which at all, fine, which I'm really happy about. <laughs> no, I, I do hold everything in. I find it hard to then talk about what is bothering me. My sister is like a little tiny, tiny, tiny um, series of fireworks. So she'll just go, "Oh, I'm so annoyed about this," and then by saying it, it goes away. Uh-huh. And then about a minute later, if you're upset that she just doesn't understand because she's like. Well, we've got over that. We've done it. No, you haven't. You're yeah. still you're still traumatised because it re-traumatised something in you when you were shouted that That's too much. That's right. And her daughter is similar, and they have this wonderful relationship where the two of them will be sat in the car. One will yell at the other. The other will yell at the other. Then one will say, oh, I'm sorry. And the other will say, oh, I'm sorry. And then within, like, the space of 40 seconds, they've forgotten about it. They're doing something else. They're singing a song. and And I'm sort of sat there going... This is like two years of work that you've yeah. done in the space of 30 seconds. I'm still like, what? what's going on? <laughs> You're more likely to find it easier to be reflective than reactive, which is a good thing. So if you feel the irritation mounting up in you, perhaps you'll be less likely... Perhaps you'll do a bit of that bottling Mm. or bracketing, as we call it in the trade, um, and um, won't go, oh, hurry up. You'll go, oh, I notice I'm feeling irritated. Mm, That belongs in my past. Yes, my two-year-old is putting on their coat as quickly Mm. as they know how. I will say... Good job. You got your left arm in your right armhole. <laughs> That's a start. Or whatever it, it is. It took us 25 minutes. <laughs> no, we will not be sarcastic because I'll pick up on that. Um, oh, that's the other thing. Children, like, children do sort of know sarcasm something, Brilliant. Don't they? Yeah, unless some children um, haven't got the genes to pick up on irony or sarcasm or whatever, and then you'll get to know a different person. Yeah. Then be you'll fun. have a field day. Yeah, well, or you'll learn how not to be ironic. Oh. But I, I oh, she goes at the very thought. No, I had a, I had a friend. Well, I have a friend, and her dad. Uh, when we were at school, um, her dad seemed to be the most forbidding man in the world. Terrifying, like not terif- like he was a nice dad, but he was all very kind of. He would say things and seem very kind of dry, like too dry. Yeah. And it was only when I was about eighteen that I was like, "Oh, he's the funniest man in the world," and none of us knew we were just intimidated. Yeah, but as a kid, yeah, and. 
Um, what he was doing was having a joke at your expense, and you may have appreciated it wasn't very age appropriate. I'm I'm not a great fan of your friend's dad. Oh no, no, yeah. I was just getting either. through the experience. No, my yeah. I mean, it was, was your it, he's your friend's dad, so you could enjoy it. But for her, it might have been a little bit more of a burden to bear. Yeah. Oh wow. My dad didn't get age appropriate. Like I look back now, and I think some of the jokes that he was making. I guess, yeah. okay, oh, these are very funny. But I remember being scared of you and I remember not really understanding you and I think it was just an inability he had to communicate in any way other than the way in which he communicated with everyone he couldn't modify that oh yeah but should we like is it a good thing to look at like stages of child development and try and study them when you're about to become parents, so don't worry go. about that. You're going to have a kid, and they'll tell you what they want. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I'd say no, but then because I'd... then you'll go. Hang on, it says here they should know their left and right by age four, and she doesn't. And no, forget all that. Don't do your stages of development. But is there ever uh, in in? Do you know of any cases of children? who like to get up at about 11.30 in the morning. Oh, the they day. all get up at 11.30 in the morning once they hit puberty. I wouldn't worry there, about that. So we just any... have to wait a sweet 15 years. No, I tell you what, people, because <laughs> they have this thing about, oh, I want my adult time, put their beds, put their kids to bed far too early and then the kids wake up early. It's bloody crazy. I'd have a couple of hours in the morning to sort of sort out the house and oh, do stuff is, before this... they woke up. They didn't wake, she didn't wake up till nine because she didn't go to bed till midnight when I went to bed. See, nine is so wholesome a time to wake up. I know, but some people have this thing like, oh, I want my glass of wine and my adult time and I... And it's as though they're not allowed to be themselves with their child. So they're, they're, they're sort of tense until the child is in bed. Ah. I think the trick is, is to involve your child in everything early on. Tell them what you're doing, when you're doing it, rather than make some sort of fairyland childhood world that is actually non-existent that they have to learn how to break out of. A child that wants more attention than you, than you want to give is a child that has been denied attention. So it's like if you half ass it all day, then you need time later because it's No, I not think you, if you work really, really hard and you're overly child centred, then you want a break from that. Oh, I but see. But if you're sort of like, I'm just going to involve the kid in what I'm doing. So I had a sort of running commentary going on with, with Flo. So I'll have her on my hip. Now saying, right, Flo, these are the the bills we've got to sort out. We've got to think which ones we can pay and which ones we can't pay. Whatever adult thing I was doing, mm. I would involve her and talk her through it. And the other thing is like just being with her. You can have a sort of conversation with a two-month-old baby because they will start looking at the, the way the light's coming through the leaves. And you can follow their gaze and observe them and then when they're ready and turn to you you can sort of acknowledge that you've both had the seen the same thing that's the beginning of connection well so even at that age oh especially that's that a age. way to sort of you can For, be like here you, we both are what we need to do is do less to our children and sort of slow down a bit and 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 follow their lead and have more of a dialogue and less of a don't make them into the done-tos and us the doing-to. Let's, let's impact upon each other. It's, it's more of a, a mutual thing than you believe possible. And then you're in really in relationship with your baby. Like, all our relationships are different. 
And this is another thing, actually, is that parents think we must have a united front at all times. (laughs) No. But that's definitely something that you hear, isn't it? It's like you both need to be on a team so that you can be completely consistent and then, you know. Well, if you, I mean, some children do like the same thing to happen at the same time every day. And you will observe your baby and see what she needs and see whether she's one of those babies that has to have a routine or one of those babies that prefers a responsive adult and to be in the moment. What normally happens is that you get into a bit of a routine anyway, because... That just happens, but and the baby likes it. Mm. But you don't have to enforce a routine. Yeah. It can be sort of baby-led. Because their stomach's only so big, so it will be regular. And they'll throw up a lot. <laughs> all that breast milk that you provide, all over the place. And I'm not, um, I'm not a, a dragon like, you should breastfeed. I mean, if it hurts, why would you want to do that, mm. you know? And sometimes you just get thrush infection and mastitis and and you just think i can't do this and i just think well don't then formula is all right all we have to do is the eye contact the closeness the cuddling that's what's really important what you have to worry about more than anything what you have to look after is your individual relationships your individual relationship with the baby your relationship with each other and your relationship as a triad and your relationship in the wider community and environment. Because if a baby feels secure in that home, they'll be free to be curious about the world and to look at ants because they won't have to be thinking, does daddy really love me or not? Because they can just take that for granted and tell daddy to fuck off and that sort of thing. I'm looking at an ant, go away. You know. (laughs) Hold that thought because we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Josie and Johnny, they're having a baby. Okay, friends, we're back. Do you know, I was thinking something you said about um, whether or not they want routines and stuff. I was thinking, like, say when our child is seven or eight, it becomes very, very yeah. clear that as a person, they are incredibly different to us. Like, I obviously would want to, like, nurture them for who they are, like, mm-hmm. love them, try and, like, enable them to be who they are. But at the same time, like, there's two of us and one of them. <laughs> like, do we then, like, adjust everything to change because they're different? Or do we be like, well, you love that, but mum and dad love it. Like, how do you... Sorry, I don't want to sound like it's I'm okay. really selfish. You will have differences. But what's really important is that we don't get caught up in logic when we're talking about differences. That we just consider everybody's feelings in in the in the cycle. So, for instance... If you don't like rice pudding mm. and you love rice pudding, um, you're probably not. Go- you, you probably go. I love rice pudding, so I'm going to have some rice pudding. But I'm not going to make Johnny eat it. Yeah, you know things like that. Yeah, sorry. Like now I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah. The question, it, like even just saying, of course you just have to try and be considerate. <laughs> I th- it, it, it's it's sort of like don't get caught up in playing fact tennis with the child. Yeah. Um, for instance, let's say. 
it's you are bored of the playground. Bloody hell, they can be cold, lonely places. I kid you not, I spent a long time in them. Okay, you're bored of the playground, right? You just think, if I stay in this playground much longer, I'm not going to be a very nice person. In other words, you are approaching your limit. What you need to do is put a boundary down before you get to your limit. And you do this by describing yourself and not anybody else. So you say to the kid, I'm getting cold and bored, so we're going to go in five minutes. Now, that feels absolutely revolutionary because my mum said to me, we're going in five minutes because it's time to make lunch. Okay, she'd give me a fact. It's time to make lunch. And I would say in response to the fact, I don't want lunch. I'm having well. fun. I've yeah, sorted yeah, it yeah. out, don't worry. Yeah, I've, I've eaten 25 refreshers from my, <laughs> from my friend's bag or whatever it is, so so don't need any lunch. So you go, okay, I don't need lunch. And then mother goes, well, we're, we, we need to have lunch. You need to have your lunch. You will get hungry. No, I won't. <laughs> the mistake this mother is making, let's call her mine, um, <laughs> um, is defining the child or defining the situation and not talking about herself. So it's so not being real to it's the It's not being real. And it feels like, oh, my God, isn't it awfully selfish? Well, we're being selfish anyway, wanting to go because we're bored and hungry ourselves or cold or whatever we are. So I would say to my kid, I'm bored and cold and hungry and I want to go, so we'll go in five minutes. She was totally reasonable with that. She would go, go in three if you like. I just need to finish my game. Oh. <laughs> But did you give your child an angel? No, of course not. (laughs) That's so adorable to be like, we're going three. But (laughs) what surprised me is that I was well aware that I quite often got quite near my limit before I put a boundary down. And sometimes I, I blew it and I went over the limit and I snapped or I got cross. And I always said when I did that, oh, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have... Um, slam the door or shouted at you or whatever it is you know I I lost control there sorry Um, and then when she was about four she she said to me I'm really sorry mum that I lost my temper in the car I was really hungry I'm fine I'm having this cake sorry about that (laughs) I just thought bloody hell I never apologised to my parents and my parents never apologised to me we were always playing this sort of winning losing game and I just thought I'm doing it differently and it's bloody working this is like a real relationship and it's really working I couldn't even remember her being grumpy in the car with me but I can sure remember her going I shouldn't have done that just keep defining yourself and not the child you never say you are way not mature enough to get the night bus on your own you're only 14 because that's the most frustrating thing to hear. But if you, they really feel like I can do this, yeah, yeah, yeah. they probably can do this. Well, they could, it is our fear. But it's yeah. other people. You, they you, could not accounting for other people. Yeah, but we you, we don't want to sort of inject them with too much paranoia about slave traders and white vans, do we? When yeah. I was fourteen, I did used to go to nightclubs on my own, but. That also is testament to the fact that my parents were very neglectful. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and I look back at <laughs> And I you look, survived, so, yeah. which I proves think, my point. It's moral it, luck. I survived, but I look back now and I think, well, I equally could have had all kinds of disastrous experiences as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm very happy to be like, yes, well, I was a child of very sound judgment and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I just you were no a idea. child of sound judgment, but you're also a little slip of a thing who looked very vulnerable to anyone that might be preying yeah. on you and as an 
a mother, you may or may not have these fears. And if you do have these fears, that's you don't put it on the kid, you put it on yourself. So I think if you come away with anything from this podcast, it's define yourself and not the child. So is it also kind of you need to know yourself? Like It helps. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd just be like, well, I assume what I'm doing. Is, yeah. yeah, I mean, and do we, can we ever know ourselves? You know, we all have mm. terrible blind spots all the time. I don't know. Mm. Like, uh, well, I don't, but I've seen them in the <laughs> <laughs> I do. And no doubt, yeah. you know, people are going to point them out to me. The thing that I am genuinely worried about is... I just have developed this real aversion to YouTube, most of YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, like, obviously, what's what, like a lovely thing that you do that Johnny does is that um, he, if he's on YouTube, he'll be looking at like well, this morning, compilation of dogs. I watched um, sweet. I watched cats protecting newborn babies. This oh, morning. I love that one. I that's, saw that yeah. one. Oh my god, that's that's a tearjerker. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk screen time, okay? Yeah. yeah this is the thing. <laughs> okay. I basically want them not to do it. But okay. I don't be... Listen to Auntie Phil on screen time. <laughs> screen time in and of itself is not bad. It's what you're not doing uh, when you're watching the screen that you're missing out on. You know, connecting with human beings, yeah. playing outside, getting your vitamin D, drawing, being creative. It's a very passive pastime. Mm. We're in a different era now. We've got the internet. And so what you can do is keep talking. From birth, you talk. You talk in an age-appropriate way and you listen. So they get used to the fact that you observe, you don't jump to conclusions and you listen and then you've got a good two-way conversation parents are a little bit shocked when they haven't had conversations or done good listening with kids that suddenly when they're 11 12 they don't want to talk to them yeah of course they don't because when they said i'm scared of monsters under the bed you tell them not to be silly i mean yeah so if the, every time they open their mouths, they think they're going to be told not to be silly, they're going to clam up. Yeah. So you listen to stuff like that. You take it seriously. You don't say, don't be stupid. Yeah. And then when they find things that might disturb them or unsettle them. Or, or teach them about sex, which is, you know, sex does not have to be like that. Sex can be a mutual loving thing. It doesn't have to be uh, doing and done to. Which is a thing I've said twice in this thing. We've had rupture and repair, doing and done to. Winners and losers. Winners and losers. Got a little few little catchphrases coming through this here. Good. See, it's, it's true. It's very beautiful. Um, thank you so much thank uh, you. for coming and chatting to us. And thanks thank for you for, advice. you know, letting me let off steam for a bit. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. I really, I was sad to cut that interview short because I really felt like we were just soaking up all the mm. advice from Philippa. I wonder if she'll be willing to let us do this every week, just without the recording and just sort of constantly... Could we make her, like, god-grandmother or something? Thanks again for listening to the show. I really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to look for more things from me, I'm at josielong.com or on Twitter, at josielong. Um, and I am at Johnny Donahoe on Twitter. Um, I don't tweet very often, but when I do... Oof, it's a zinger. Um, or you can go to my website, johnnydonahoe.co.uk. Philippa is on Twitter, at philippa underscore perry. Good to see an underscore. Mm, not not enough. enough. And also she's um, 
look out for her new book which is coming out soon absolutely you make sure you go to apple podcasts and give us a solid rating um you know don't go crazy but um uh good i think would be would be nice four stars will take five there's only two there's only two possible reviews on apple one star or five stars so we'll take the five we'll take the five that would be lovely so review us and give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts uh, if you enjoy the show um, the show was produced by Ruth Barnes and Laura Sheeter from Chalk and Blade for Stitcher with special thanks to Stephanie Karayuki and Laura Mayer and we are Josie and Johnny and if you'd like to hear more you can sign up for Stitcher Premium and hear every single episode of Josie and Johnny are having a baby with you ad free and before anyone else for a free month of listening, go to stitcherpremium.com forward slash baby and use the promo code BABY. A whole month for free. I know. Uh, next week, we'll be talking to some other very important people, so make sure you subscribe to us at Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is you like to listen. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Good day to you. Good night. Stitcher.